0: Now we're back for another edition of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. It's Gerald glasswood coming right back at you here on the RTF Sports Network. We truly appreciate everyone out there catching all of our great shows. And if you can, go to wherever it is you like your podcast and search out the Lakers Fast Break. Give us that five-star review. Also, as well, give five-star reviews for the shows that my guest is doing right now. Please, because he works really hard. Tell you what, and he's also a happy man. He's a little hurt, but nonetheless, that pain feels a lot better for him as a Blazer fan, as the Blazers in the first round of the game between Lakers and the Blazers. First round, first game goes to the Blazers. A lot of people had said that they were going to come out firing because they had been basically playing a a playoff mentality for the past week and a half. And sure enough, they came out and took the victory tonight, 193 over the Los Angeles Lakers. Hey, I just wanted to go ahead and say thank you once again to everyone who's been watching us right here at the Lakers Fast Break and listening to us on all of our podcast outlets. Also want to give a big thank you to First Entertainment Credit Union for today, the Lakers-themed affinity debit Cards. So if you want to check it out right now, it's at firstent.org slash Lakers. That's firstent.org slash Lakers, and you can go ahead today and find out more about not only that great debit card, but also as well, you can go ahead and enter the sweepstakes for one of the first look limited edition Lakers kits from Anthony Davis and First Entertainment. So if you wanna see the official sweepstakes rules, that's gonna be right here. that's firstent.org slash Lakers dash cards slash affinity dash card dash sweepstakes. You can go ahead and find out more about the great things that are going on there with that sweepstakes. But also as well, you can find out more as a whole about the Lakers card that is now issued now. So that's a great debit card. So if you want to get a chance, find out more information. That's firstent.org/slash Lakers. Looks like it's a great debit card indeed. A quality performance from the great backcourt duo of CJ McCollum and also as well Damian Lillard. Uh, Lit Damian Lillard had 34 points. Let-, let me go ahead and run down right now what we got here for the Trailblazers. CJ McCollum, 21 points. Also, as well, you had a solid game from Yusuf Nurkic, 16 points, 15 rebounds. And, of course, a lot of uh, help from everywhere else. But it was a messy game for the Lakers. Uh, You know what? Playoffs, it's going to get that way. It's going to get ugly. It's going to get a little bit chippy. It's going to get a little bit uh, rough and tumble. And, of course, it happened. But you know what? For the most part, Portland controlled the tempo. They slowed it down. Lakers didn't get to do much in transition. And my guest today is going to talk about a lot of great stuff when it comes to Portland Trailblazers. You got to check out what he's doing today at NBA Draft Junkies, plus not only his great podcast, the NBA Draft Junkies podcast, but also as well his Run the Floor podcast, which I just was appearing on. You got to go ahead and check it out today everywhere you get your podcasts. Plus, if you're really into the NBA draft, there is no better place to go than NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube because he has great profiles of all the upcoming draft picks. It is my good friend indeed. It is Rafael Barlow. And, Rafael, congratulations on winning game one. I'm, I'm not going to be like a spoiled person. I, I was I was hooping and hollering and punching the air and, and doing all the great stuff that Lakers fans do. But you know what? i got to give you kudos, my friend. The, the Trailblazers got the temple they wanted and they got the victory they wanted as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, as a a Blazers fan, uh, it was an exciting win. Um, So like I mentioned in the previous podcast, I felt like Portland had all the momentum coming in. And, uh, yeah, I just felt like the Lakers didn't play their best ball in the seeding games, and they kind of seemed like they had the attitude of, we'll turn it on when we want to. But to me – Even though LeBron played well on paper, I feel like this loss is on him simply because he just wasn't aggressive. I felt like he was passive. And if I'm rooting against the Lakers, I'll take a passive LeBron who's trying to be Magic Johnson. I'll take that over the aggressive LeBron because nobody can really stop him from getting what he wants. And he looked today as if he was trying to get his teammates involved, which he did. I mean, he had a lot of assists, but he had... Gary Trent Jr. on him, who was pretty inexperienced. He wasn't really heavily in their rotation all year. It seemed like he broke out in the bubble. Trent wasn't really doing anything on the offensive end. And usually your your offense kind of impacts your defense. But I felt like LeBron had the advantage. I mean, the size advantage, the experience advantage. I I don't want to take anything away from what Gary Trent was doing, but I feel like LeBron being passive, hurt his team tonight, and yeah, it just seemed like he was looking to to get everybody involved, which, like I said, he did, but I think he hurt his team tonight.
0: When he did try to go to the basket, because like you said, it was somewhat of an easy matchup for him against when he was one-on-one, and he did take those opportunities on Gary Trent Jr. It was the back line of Hassan Whiteside with five blocks tonight. Uh, I think that's helped out a lot. A lot of those blocks were gifts that Dwight Howard gave to him because I think he just gift wrapped a couple of them just right there, just put it up and boom, just knocked away. But Hassan Whiteside from the backside, at least on a couple times, helped out tremendously well. And I just want to go ahead and give him props on that because, you know, he's much maligned. You and mm-hmm. I both know. And, and with him, it's a matter of effort. I think that's as they said on the broadcast, and his effort was at a high pace tonight. All across the board for him, and that's what you like to see if you're, you know, if you're a Portland Trailblazer fan.
1: Yeah, I agree. I thought he played really well. Um, I do cringe when he has the ball, especially in yeah. space. But I think that with the Lakers' lack of spacing, it allowed him to play at his best. Because if the Lakers have spacing, if LeBron is driving to the rim and he comes to help, which he wants to chase blocks, LeBron has an easy dump off. I feel that when the lane was congested because guys weren't making shots, it allowed him to be able to stick close to Dwight or AD and also contest LeBron's layups. And, again, that goes with floor spacing. And also I felt like when the Lakers were playing the lineups with McGee and Dwight together, it played to the Blazers' advantage. Absolutely, because it packs the pain in. Yep. Boxes and elbows. That's how I would defend the Lakers at this point. Um, Danny Green had zero confidence. I mean, there was a stretch where he had open looks. He passed it. He did make one three and the Lakers backcourt has to play a lot better. I mean, they provided pretty much nothing. I mean, Caruso had his hustle plays. Zero help. Zero help.
0: Yep. 15% from three point lane. That's uh, not going to get it done.
1: Not going to get it done at all in the playoffs. But it's been consistent with how they shot in, in the seating games. I mean, they didn't shoot the ball well. It would be interesting to see what social media and all the blogs are saying about Vogel's decision to not play Deion Waiters. And I thought Waiters played well in the seeding games, and he probably played like two or three minutes today. Just one, actually. One? <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. I, just... I, tripled his, I tripled what he played. Yeah, and it, I don't even understand why you even put him in for one minute at the end of the court and take him out. Yeah. It just was very
0: disappointing to see. Like you said, he could provide that offense that the Lakers sorely needed tonight. And It was very disappointing as far as from that. And their defense, I mean, if you're only going to hold Trailblazers to 100 points, you've done your job. And, you know, it gets to the point where Damian Lillard, I think actually, you know, I, I dare I say this, Charles Barkley himself said it best. It was a very quiet first half, even though he had 23, and he only had, what, 11 more in the second half. I mean, that's what you want to do. When you're guarding and playing against, uh, you know, such a high volume score, he limit they limited the amount of terrific threes, those gut busting, you know, almost half court threes that he shoots. And you know, yeah, Andre Minifield, he's he's given us a hand. Hey, you're right. Green couldn't hit the broadside button. He hasn't been able to do anything from three point area, which is his bread and butter, you know, since. Since March, you know the entire yeah. bubble he's been struggling, so I, I i you know when you get that kind of defensive performance, it's just a shame that you're not able to go ahead and, as a Lakers fan, get that kind of offense behind it as well because you're if you're holding Portland to a hundred points,
1: you've done a great job defensively, and maybe I've been a little biased, but nobody would have thought the Blazers defense would play the way they did exactly i mean exactly. they were i want to say out of all the bubble teams they were second to last in defense, and I'm guessing the Wizards were probably the worst defensive team. And then you have a Blazers team on dead legs. I mean, they've had to play a lot of games. I thought at one point in the late third, early fourth quarter, the guys were tired. And fortunately for me and, and Blazers fans, they just the Lakers weren't able to take advantage of it. But I'm, I'm more shocked about the Blazers' defense. If I would have had to guess whose style would dictate the series, I thought maybe – it would be a high-scoring series, like we've seen in some of these other series, where, yeah. like you mentioned, that a lot of teams aren't in sync defensively, and played a slower pace, and were able to win. And I, I just think that Vogel has some big to make as far as his rotation. Absolutely. Big lineups, it plays to the Blazer strength
0: it does because the blazers have a lot of big guys that they can throw out of you not even mentioned zach collins who wasn't even in the lineup today due to injury so they have those options out there and to the lakers right now they've got to go ahead and and just scratch you know figure out what's going on figure out how they can go ahead and create easier offense got to go ahead and create more transition points they got to go ahead and utilize more of that pick and roll between lebron and ad when they utilized it during the game it was very effective and they need to continue to do that in order to go ahead and make things easier for anthony davis yes anthony davis in tonight's game he did score 28 points but that's on basically free throw line 12 of 17 from the free throw line because he was a dismal 33 percent out there on the field and if you're going to shoot 8 for 24 each and every game, I think the Portland
1: Trailblazers would need that every time. And this is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Hey, Lakers
0: fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Andre hitting us back again. Of course, yeah, Avery Bradley, he would have been able to give you a little bit more from the defensive end because he would probably be able to stick with Lillard or McCollum a lot better. And you're right, Levon, the role players have got to hit those open shots. But when it gets back to what was said, Anthony Davis also eight for 24. That's not a great sign either.
1: Well, I mean, I think a lot of people are forgetting that the Blazers are missing their best defender also. And which is Trevor Ariza. if, if you would have had to bet on the Blazers relying on Gary Trent to be their defensive stopper, to guard the best offensive player on every team. I mean, you <laughs> on top of the Blazers, not having a good defense. You probably would have said that their chances of winning certain games would be slim to none, but Hey, I, I give him credit he hit two shots where it looked like he tried to uh bank it in from the the corner and they hit the top of the backboard but he hit a big shot in the clutch. And I thought he played good defense on LeBron, but I I think LeBron was just being more passive than he should have been. But now I'm kind of worried I, because I think next game Brian is going to he's he's going to put his head down and get to the rim.
0: I agree with you and get you know it almost worked for the Lakers because they had four players for Portland in with five fouls so it almost worked if they would have gotten a little bit more aggressive earlier in the fourth quarter I think it would have been more advantageous for them Mm -hmm. they had that six point lead Kuzma had went on a run by himself and actually pushed the Lakers to a six point lead early in the fourth quarter and it looked like the momentum was shifting you know on the side of the Lakers it was their first real lead of the ball game but unfortunately uh, they were not able to sustain it and in clutch time you know what Dame CJ they got it done. Anybody who says that Portland can't get it done in the clutch needs to check out this game because, you know what, kudos to them. They got it done in the clutch.
1: I had a little cycling accident today, and I kind of hit my head. But did I – so I may be a little woozy. Did I see Lakers miss four free throws? Was that true? That's not surprising uh, as far as the LeBron quarter, James. But oh, yeah. did AD miss two? That did was LeBron. Surprising. Did LeBron miss two in a row, or did he make one out of two?
0: He made one out of two, I think, but you saw the statistics. I think it flashed on there. He's only 66% this year in the fourth quarter. This has been something that's been very nerve-wracking for Lakers fans this year is that in the clutch, LeBron is not providing you the consistent things that he's done in the past, Mm -hmm. whether it's due to age or what have you. It's you know hitting 66% in the fourth quarter from the free-throw line when you know you want to go to the line and get those, you know, foul. oh, he missed both. Andre said he missed both, so you're right. Uh, you know, that that's just inexcusable. Uh, but this is, again, you've seen this for most of the season from LeBron. He's just not able to go ahead from the free throw line and consistently hit those free throws. And that hurts the team overall because he, if you want him to be aggressive, like you're saying, and like well, I, don't want I know him. you don't want to as a Blazers fan, you don't, but but <laughs> yeah. you know, if you were giving him that advice, yeah, that's that's the thing. You're going to get fouled a lot, and you need to hit those free throws.
1: Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, if you miss two free throws in a row, that's as bad as a turnover. You might as well kick the ball in the crowd. You get the same results. And now
0: LeBron's asking a good question. Can Rondo help? And I know I've been down on Rondo personally. You know, statistically, you and I both talked about how on the defensive and offensive end, analytically, he's not been anything near what he once was. At this point, if it gets to the question, were they down 2-0? Anything is, I think, should be an option for the Lakers.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Rondo, on one hand, he does have playoff experience, and he does have the reputation of stepping his game up in the playoffs. But then on the other hand, he does not compliment LeBron on the offensive end in the half court as far yeah. as spacing the floor. So for a Portland team that is lacking depth, that is probably tired because they're playing heavy minutes, having Rondo on the floor in the offensive end allows them to kind of rest and just kind of, you know, they're not going to have to work unless Rondo going to be the old Rondo in Boston where he was a great cutter and his hustle plays, which is possible. I think Caruso was giving them that as far as just like second chance hustle plays. But once the game gets tight, half court set, I I, I just don't think Rondo is a, a good complementary player to LeBron because LeBron needs floor spacing. And this yeah. might be one of his worst teams he's been on as far as like been able to knock down Shots since his first stint in Cleveland. Like, as a fan of the opposing team, I don't fear KCP when he has the ball. And I mean, I think Danny Green does have some gravity, you know, that he can get hot. But what separates Danny Green from let's say the guys in Houston is they'll keep firing away. You know, like Danny Green's a better shooter than a P.J. Tucker. But P.J. knows his role is if I'm not firing away and if I'm not a threat to shoot, then I'm really not helping the team out. And I felt like in in this game, like I said earlier, there was a stretch where Danny Green passed up a lot of shots. I mean, I remember one play where he had the ball at the top of the key. He was open. He put the ball on the floor, made two dribbles, and he, I think he, like, threw the ball into Dwight. It may have been a successful play, if I'm not mistaken, but how often do you see Danny Green dribble the ball twice in the half court? Exactly, and that's something that they have to be concerned
0: about because, yeah, he'll hit two or three in a row, but like you said, he'll disappear. That's his normal MO for you know these, these past few seasons, mm-hmm. but right now he's just disappearing, and that's not good. They need him to be somebody that they need to keep an eye on on defense, and you saw tonight the the whole defense just started collapsing in further further and further because the lakers could not hit a shot from the outside and that's a problem going forward where they're just going to give the lakers all kinds of room on the outside and the lakers just aren't getting it done and andre i know you mentioned rajon rondo one last time yeah he'd be a liability on offense maybe if you're talking about the times when ad is in the game and lebron is out of the game Maybe that could be more effective for that period of time, but that's only eight to 10 minutes a game. I think right now that's probably the best you're going to get from Rajon Rondo coming back from an injury. So the exactly, uh, you know, on. when KCP tried to make an effort in the clutch or try to make a play, I also am, am very sad and very kind of mad actually at Frank Vogel because they went away from Kuzma. Kuzma helped get them that early lead in the fourth quarter. And they just went away from it. That, to me, was a shame.
1: If there's ever a situation where a coach using a timeout to break the momentum made a difference in the game, that's it. That was it. I mean, they were up six at that point. Yep, that's correct. And then called a timeout. And in my mind, I'm thinking, like, man, we had an opportunity to, to really win this game. And then I was just worried that LeBron would turn it on. And I don't know if Kuzma got another shot after that. He may have got maybe one, but they went away from him. I know KCP got a couple shots. Uh, then there was the play where Caruso ended up having to shoot the ball. I mean, that all plays into the opponent's favor if if those guys are shooting shots. But I, I thought the Blazers played good defense in the paint on Anthony Davis. They kind of like mucked the game up, kind of made it you know a little sloppy on the inside and he didn't shoot the ball well at all. No. Eight for
0: 24, uh, 33%. Yep. That's, that's not going to get it done. Yeah, he lives off his free throws, but when he's not shooting like you, he normally does from the free throw lane because he's almost a 90% shooter, and he was 12 for 17. And I thought that was a very bad performance overall as far as from AD. 28 points, that looks great on paper, but unfortunately that's not going to get it done. He needs to step up even further. And does JR see the four more of the series? I don't know if JR Smith is is, and that's a great great question, Nigel. I don't know. Uh, Jr. Smith is not going to be the man that they're going to call out. I think, like you said, Raphael, Deion Waiters is probably going to be the one, the new faces that they're going to bring into the game to get that. If if it still gets even to a point where the Lakers still even need more help, then yeah, you'll probably see JR after that. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse.
1: I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where...
0: how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmos Show.
1: And the PCC Multiverse,
0: every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options.
1: Well, the pressure's on LA now. Even though it's only one game, there's no home court advantage. And I... I wonder, does Vogel stick to the same rotation he has been using all year? Stotts doesn't really have an option because they're only about eight deep. Yeah. So he has to roll with who he has. I mean, maybe he can add Ant Simons into the rotation, but they have to roll with, with who they have. I think Vogel's in a situation where he does have options, but he's going to have to tinker around to find the right options. And then you have... You know these new guys on the team that really don't have much chemistry with, with the core that's been there all year, and trying to mix those guys in could be a little difficult.
0: Well, we'll wait and see. It's just going to be like I said. Uh, I know you had predicted that the Blazers would win in six, and I said the Lakers would win in six, so it is going to be a, a long series either which way we both think. But that wasn't the biggest shocker. I mean, a lot of people had predicted that. Portland would give the Lakers a great challenge in the series the biggest shocker today before we head on out my friend I wanted you to talk real quick about the
1: Bucs in Orlando what happened with the Bucs today I just saw bits and pieces of the game and you know when I was looking at the score and the league kept getting bigger than Milwaukee seems like they made a comeback uh, but it was just too much Vucevic uh, yeah it, and then if I remember correctly at one point lopez only had like three points yeah it was like total it was totally lopsided and 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 he'd been averaging 20 in the bubble yep but
0: That's- you know what
1: milwaukee similar to the lakers they did not have the same momentum and they weren't playing the same way in the bubble that they were playing in the regular season whatever momentum yeah. they had coming in didn't carry over. But if I remember correctly, the last few games Milwaukee played, I, I don't think they have played well since that Lakers game if I'm not mistaken.
0: That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. So they
1: um, you know, they got off to such a hot start, but I think if you probably look at over their last 10 to 15 games, they may just be playing 500 basketball.
0: And that's going to be interesting to see how both of these teams, the Lakers and the Bucks, can bounce back or if they will bounce back. I think a lot of people are going to be banking more on the bucks just simply because you don't know how much more effectiveness you're going to get out of the magic at this point in time but for the lakers and blazers we're going to see come this thursday night you guys have been all great out there we truly appreciate the thumbs up and if you can please rafael barlow from the nba draft junkies if you can check out all the work that he does he does such a tremendous job you check it out today nba draft junkies on youtube I mean, you see all the profiles right there for you for all the upcoming draft picks that you're going to see right there. A lot of mock drafts. And plus, he's got not only his NBA Draft Junkies interviews for his podcast, NBA Draft Junkies, which you can get everywhere. Also, as well, you can get NBA Run the Floor, his Run the Floor podcast, which is also there, which I was just on. You're going to see that not only there in a visual form, but you can get it out on audio, you know, wherever you can get your podcasts and that's Run the Floor or NBA Draft Junkies or his great site, junkies.com for the real insight coming up. Because the lottery is around the corner, my friend, is it not?
1: Yeah, it's Thursday. Thursday could uh, be a big, well, it's going to be a big day for me, especially for my site, because it's probably one of the most important days of the year, it's, you know, anywhere in the draft world. And then also it's game two, which absolutely game two is probably the most important game of the season for the Lakers. I think uh, it's, even though it's a seven game series, it's, I, I feel like the pressure's always on the favorite team when they lose the first game.
0: Absolutely. And then also as well, my friend, you heard the rumors, right? As far as the great possibility that the Combines will be going virtual and they'll be out at different locations. I, I don't know if you caught the wind of news, that, but that's basically the rumor mill that I've heard it, it, from at this point in time that uh, out on Twitter, that the the Combines will be in a virtual format. There'll be like at least more than one location, and that will at least help give you, me, and everybody else that goes ahead and has mock drafts a little bit more insight into these players going forward.
1: And that part kind of threw me off because I would think with the success of the NBA bubble, why not have a draft bubble?
0: There you go. There put you the, go.
1: Put the players in the bubble, invite all the teams, make them quarantine. And you know, you can have all your interviews. It's basically like the combine in Chicago, except everyone's there. And then also, um, I mean, I guess it'll probably give the teams even more time to do interviews and, and so on. So to me, I, I think that would have been the, the wisest decision. Now, I wonder if, if agents would have felt the same way, agents probably would have probably helped some guys out they wouldn't have want, you know, eyes on their players for, you know, that long, especially if you have some players that that you're trying to hide some particular, whether it's character issues, whether a guy's not in the greatest amount of shape at this time, whatever, whatever. So I think on one side, like for the teams and for the fans, I think it would be a great idea. And But, you know, I, I think some agents may probably disagree with putting their guys in a bubble. They want to be able to control their workouts.
0: I think that was the key right there. That's why you can't commit to It's simply because the agents would never allow all the players to be, or all Mm -hmm. the draft prospects to be at one place at one time. We don't even see that with the regular combine in Chicago, where agents keep all of the high-profile prospects, you know, even out. They don't even go there for measurements, which I think is uh, very, very troubling. Oh, uh, Nigel, before we head on out, uh, asking you, my friend, who do you think is the steal of the draft as of now? Who do you think is the the one that you think is, is going to be the
1: biggest steal so far? Oh, that's a tough choice. Simply because I think with this draft, you won't have the guys that are just going to rise up based off of their workouts. And I think it's going to go by, you know, based off the team. Like last year, I would think it was Brandon Clark. This year, the guy that I like is Grant Riller out of College of Charleston. I think if he goes to the right fit, he can really be a a big help. I would like to see him with maybe like a team like Dallas, because I think they need another shot creator, another guy that can create his own shot. Um, Whether they take him at 18 or 31, who knows at this point, but he would probably be my, my sleeper.
0: Mine, if he drops, I think it's Pokushevsky, Alexei Pokushevsky. But I think, I, I think he is the, a lot of teams have got the info on him and he's going to go in the high teens
1: somewhere. I, yeah, have a I just don't that, think he plays his first year. Yeah. I think he's stashed because yeah. he's, I mean, he's like seven foot. He probably weighs like 190 pounds. That's the only so, thing. Yeah, so I think that I I honestly wouldn't be shocked if he has a bowl-bowl type redshirt year where mm-hmm. even like years ago with the Rockets, they did that with Clint Capella. He was their first round pick. They played him with RGV the whole season, let him get some experience, gain some weight, get stronger, and then they pulled him out in the playoffs. And so I, I really don't think... Any team drafting in Poku is, has any plans for him short-term. I think he's more so of a long-term project.
0: And I'll tell you what, I'm liking Desmond Bain at the back end of the draft more and more. I've been watching a ton of video on him as of late. He just sneaked into my first round of my mock draft on PopCultureCosmos.com, and I'm, I'm
1: liking what I see from Desmond Bain more and more. Well, you know, I have the Lakers selecting him, and they could have used him tonight. <laughs> yeah they could have they could have yeah. but
0: you know i'll tell you what our friendship is not gonna die my friend we're not gonna go at it uh, mano y mano because you know i know you're a blazers fan i know i'm a lakers fan but you know what anytime i get to speak to you it's always a good one once again it is rafael barlow from nba draft junkies if you get a chance please check out NBA nbadraftjunkies.com his youtube page nba draft junkies and also as well his two podcasts run the floor and also as well NBA draft junkies there's really good stuff he 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 just has he has not only profiles but interviews with a lot of the what second round or possibly yeah. international prospects yeah. yeah international prospects i mean you've got uh, at least three four people helping you out there as well so it's really some great insight that you bring each and every time out to NBA draft junkies for us here at the Lakers fast break at lakers fast break on twitter Plus also if you catch me anywhere you can on Lakers fast break on Facebook, Lakerholics.com from both of us, because he does draft profiles for the Lakers on video. And of course the Lakers fast break at Lakerholics.com. And then also of course, Lakers fast break, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: I'd like to uh, give a shout out to my friends at, uh, it's a Facebook basketball group called the hoop nation. And I think those are the ones that are commenting. I had posted the link on that site it's a lot of laker fans in that group and we, you know we just talk basketball nonstop. so uh, shout out to those guys for for tuning in and, and listening and watching
0: well oh, sweet i'm gonna have to get in on that group man they, they see all of our videos anytime they can because we also do a lot of lakers fast breaks on our lakers fast break facebook page that we send out there i know rafael's been a part of many of our broadcasts in fact going forward we're going to try and sprinkle in some appearances here on the RTF along with the regular stuff that we do at Lakerholics.com and also as well, Lakers fast break. And of course, all the stuff that he does at NBA Draft Junkies. So definitely want to go ahead and spread the love. We truly appreciate everyone out there giving us uh, all these thumbs up that we're watching. Had a lot of people watching tonight. Once again, Portland with a great win. You know what? They deserve all the respect that they did tonight because they played a heck of a game. 193 over the Los Angeles Lakers. Can my team, the Los Angeles Lakers, find what it takes to go ahead and even up the series on Thursday night? We'll have to wait and see. Raphael, you said you're going to be part of Thursday night as well. We're going to hopefully be able to get a chance to talk uh, once again on the Lakers fast break. I'm looking forward to my friend. And again, congratulations on a great victory tonight. Hope you're going to feel better, my friend. I think, I don't know, I, with the trade-off, are you glad you got the falling off the bike deal because he got a Blazers win, or would you rather had the Blazers loss and you not fall off the bike?
1: Even trade. My wrist is fine. I'm, I'm okay. I don't have a concussion. My bike is good. Even trade. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough, my friend. Mm-hmm. Once again, it
0: is Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. Please check out what he does today at NBA Draft Junkies. All right, again. Thank you so much for being part of today's broadcast. Again, all the great comments from Nigel and Thomas Hubbard and Andre and Levon. Just, you guys were so awesome tonight. We just truly appreciate it. Congrats again to Portland for winning game one. We'll see what happens in game two on Thursday. Indeed. (laughs) And we'll be back once again on the Lakers fast break outlets. Check us out. Lakers fast break on Facebook but we'll be returning at some point in the near future right here at RTF Sports Network and the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.